Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show, The Twist. Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. Hello, Don. And good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and Shabbat Shalom to you all. Well, today we're going to begin the show talking about the China-EU summit. Pretty interesting development, isn't it? Absolutely. Basically, the European Union let China know that its trade is far greater than its trade with Russia. So that sounds like a note to let China know they really need to tow the European line on this conflict. What's your thoughts on that when they let China know the amount of trade is far greater than their trade with Russia? Well, we know the enormous amount of trade that is enacted, and we do recall the uh, lack of equanimity in trade balance and that China has been trading with us at a huge amount of, of money, and they're in fact uh, not paying their share on all these agreements. But that's, that's, part, of a, that's part of a long discussion, and, uh, and obviously the world has changed a great deal since uh, we've made some agreements. But what it looks like the European empire is doing is trying to go in between Russia and China and establish their own relations with China to capitalize on that market, to work out something in the future. But also, Ursula von der Leyen stated that we're now in a defining moment for the rules-based order. The European Union of the empires is the one that wants to work through the rules-based order, meaning that it wants the globalization, while at the same time we have Russia splitting with off with China, India, and these other nations. So I thought it was a noteworthy summit. We'll see what China's going to do. But one of the negatives, Don, and I don't know if you picked up on this as well, is Ursula von der Leyen very much had a European view of the situation or an EU empire view. And China has another view of the situation. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get past that impasse. It seems like an impasse to me. What's your thoughts? Uh, China is in a situation they feel that they are the number one nation in the world now, and they're looking down at the others. And so they feel that they're in a place of power and that they're letting everybody come to them for the money, for aid, for that which uh, is required by nations. And right now, as a uh, as Mr. Posner said with, with Ted Koppel on national television, who does he think the number one nation is? It's China, and it's not the U.S. or the Soviet Union. So we're seeing a big shift in the world's economy and structure. Well, there are decisions that Europe is making, and we'll talk about it in a future program, concerning associate members and trade packs. And trade packs, it's still yet to work out that is really going to be a serious threat to China as far as the reigning empire. But we'll talk about that in a future broadcast because we're focusing more on the EU, US, Russia, Ukraine. Our next topic is all this Russia cancel culture 
it's unbelievable, just unbelievable how so many companies pulling out of Russia. Yale produces a list of the hall of shame, cultural events that are all being canceled. And this is unprecedented. Absolutely. Why should one of the most famous opera stars in the entire world be canceled in New York? Why does a famous auction house why do they have to defend themselves because they are owned by Russians? There's a kind of a nastiness that's going on, and it's, it's snowballing. Uh, a lot of people have Russian heritage, or in fact are from Russia, and they're leading citizens, and they've greatly enhanced the United States of America. Are we going to hunt them down? Are we going to denounce them? My own family has roots in Russia. I can tell you very much, I have not been to Siberia or some other parts of Russia, like Tashkent and Asian Russia. And it is simply unfair to accuse people who are Russians of having to defend their business empire, or in fact, their own families. We're coming to a very dangerous trend, and it must end as soon as possible. I don't think it's good for evangelicals who are in Russia. There's over 4,000 Protestant churches in Russia. We don't share the same benefits as the Jews in Russia. The Jews actually have much more freedom than the evangelicals, but this could hurt our people, this anti-Russia sentiment. We have our brethren there. We have our people there. In my opinion, a need to be more neutral. You know, we see the prophet Daniel not judging Nebuchadnezzar, who was the evil and feared leader but actually saying to him, O king, you're great, and God has given you your power. Or, O great king, God has given you your power and authority. And at the end of the day, it's God who sets up leaders and authority and, and just this anti... It just also seems so hypocritical because the United States has been responsible for so many wars. And Biden's comment, how about his comment, he's got to be removed as if the United States hasn't itself been guilty of atrocities and bombing of places where women and children have been killed. What's your thoughts on that, Don? Well, it's a, it's a catastrophe. In fact, is there any strategy in this warfare? Uh, it might make sense to a few people at the top. For the rest of us, we're struggling for meaning. I'd like to tell you about a name from the past who is rising in leadership. It is ironic that Golda Meir came from the Ukraine and emigrated to Israel as a very young person. Uh, she is actually a hero in the Ukraine in that she rose to become prime minister of Israel with humble roots in the Ukraine, then America and Israel. But here's a real important development. Around 100,000 Jews, it's estimated, are in Israel right now, and the amount is climbing. The Israeli government is appearing at the borders, like in Poland and Romania, and probably elsewhere, and they are ready to change the geography of that part of the world. The planes are ready, the agencies are ready for the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people who wish to, to emigrate. They're standing by, they're ready, they're articulate. Funds from around the world have been sent, including from their own government. And let's watch this development very carefully. It's a very sober moment for the world. It's also a time 
of prophecy that the Jews return to the land of Israel. Yes, it is. It's a time of unfolding prophecy, actually. And the Jews have been returning since the fall of the Soviet Union. It's interesting how this, it's been gradual. Would you say there's more of an increase in the last five years since COVID? Yeah, well, besides the increase, there's the thought process. What are people thinking about in Eastern Europe? They're thinking about leaving and going to Israel. There's a lot of Jews in France who are drawing the same conclusion. So I'd have to say there is a path that is being built for people to leave and enter the Holy Land. It's fascinating how prophecy just continues to unfold, and not just even in the area of Israel, but every piece is now fitting in. And another topic we'd like to bring up is that Russia is about to stop its delivery of gas to unfriendly nations who do not pay in rubles. The nations are really upset at this. What's your thoughts, Don, on the nations being so upset about this decision by Russia? Well, we've come into a a moment of historical development where the world is just spinning on its axis. And there's going to be a lot of new players. And I think Eric and I see a future where the European powers that be are flexing their muscles. They want to be part of this war, and they also want to be part of the peace plan. And they also desire to be part of the future. So we're going to be watching this very carefully about the who is rising, who is falling, what is happening, why is it happening. And I think it's going to bring us back to the European powers and the story of money. I mentioned gas. They're shutting off the gas, but that was really good commentary. That was an excellent commentary. Right church, wrong pew. (laughs) He said that he's not going to deliver gas unless it's paid in rubles and their nations are upset. So I just want to say on that, that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It's almost shocking that the nations would be so upset when we're sanctioning Russia to death. As a matter of fact, Europe is putting out more sanctions. The U.S. is putting out more sanctions. I think that somebody is sitting there at the State Department and they just think all day of how can we sanction and issue more sanctions. And so with the amount of sanctions that we're issuing, what do we expect? So of course this is going to be a move on the part of Russia. Would you agree with that? Well, yes. I'm also clearly a follower of America's gas and oil situation. We have resources in the United States. We have shale all over this country. We also have partners in Canada who have very large reserves. So why don't we build within, have our resources used? In fact, the government is very good at taxing resources. Let's go to the pump with American gas. And uh, in fact, If we need some more, Canada is our border country. It's right nearby. We could work together. But let's use our resources. Yeah, but that's part of the whole fight here is we're selling the LNG to Europe. Actually, it priced pretty high. We're selling a record amount. We're making a lot of money on that. So it's not just about our gas here, but it's also about our selling our gas. And Russia, of course, is a chief competitor. But the idea that their gas, they provide a third or more of the European Union's gas. I think it's even as high as 40%. 
now it'll be less because they've reached, they're going to some other places now. But still, with the gas that's going into Europe, it's going to have to be paid in rubles. Although the German president, Schultz, and Mario Draghi feel it's not going to affect Germany and Italy because they feel they have different, probably better relations with Putin, and they feel it's going to affect maybe the other countries. But that's going to create another major issue. And Gazprom just did a report on the shutting off of gas and what is it going to do economically to Gazprom. So they're already thinking ahead that if that gas is not paid for in rubles, they're going to shut it off. This could be another major crisis that's about to hit in a very short period of time. Gazprom is already doing the research for that. So they are preparing, and it looks like they're going to demand the payment in rubles. rubles. And there's not going to be much that the nations are going to be able to do. And to be outraged at this, I think, is pretty surprising given the amount of sanctions. And let's talk about U.S. sanction mm. policy. What do you think of the how we have weaponized currencies? Well, it comes down to sanctions, more sanctions, sanctions on top of sanctions. There's no need to destroy other countries by sanctioning them. What we have to do is come to the negotiation table, step by step, point by point, go over these situations and remedy them. And there are answers for these questions. Well, you know what, Don, the bringing in prophecy, although this show is not about that, also predicts that nation will rise against nation and that in the end times, you actually have people more out for themselves. And we're seeing this with nations. We're seeing the United States just want to continue this war. And this has been talked about in the Indian media, actually, from India, about Biden seeming to want to just continue this war and continue it. And of course he wants it continued because he wants to sell the LNG to Europe and because of the deals that his son has in Ukraine. And there's just so much more to this story than meets the eye. But on a funny note, let's get back to the cancel culture. You were talking about blood oaths concerning, you remember what you shared about the blood oaths with Trump? Yeah. There was a a time when uh, Mr. Trump's popularity was exponentially growing, and he was becoming, with each month, a more serious candidate. And as obviously the country realized, he's going to be a front runner and the possible next president. So there was a time when there was a rally and And Mr. Trump did ask for a blood oath for those in attendance to uh, pledge their loyalty to Donald J. Trump and ultimately did become president. And are we going to uh, pledge and raise our hands and promise that we're not uh, allies of Vladimir Putin? I hope this is not going to happen. But you never know the way things are uh, these days. One and one does not equal two. Perhaps it equals five. And uh, it's very unlikely that me and my friends are going to take, or my friends and I are going to take a blood oath yeah, we're to probably, anybody. Yes, we're probably going to need yeah. the, it's the blood oath for Ooh. the, and the companies will have to yeah. take it, and everybody's going to have to take it, and we're going to have to just squash Russia like it's a bug. Just step on it, right. squash it, and, uh, we put know, it out of existence. And we know that's not going to happen. It's interesting, though, when you listen to commentators from around the globe, the view, the anti 
Russia is really predominant in the United States. Europe has a similar view, but not as much anti you had when Biden came out with his statement about how we got to get rid of this guy. It was Emmanuel Macron who immediately fired back with statements shouldn't be made like that because Macron is calling Putin daily and trying to negotiate. So the Europeans seem more in line with negotiating with Putin, although their view is also slanted to their point of view. China has its point of view. And then we see India. India is a nation that we'll be talking more about because it is not just a huge nation, but a huge economy, a major player on the global scene, a major empire. And they just signed not just a gas deal, but they've got other deals with Russia. You have Biden who's wanting to bully nations who don't toe the line with U.S. sanctions. And you see India just basically saying, we're going to do what's good for India. Forget the United States, forget everybody else. We're doing what's good for India. And their prediction is that the nations of the globe are going to do that. But if they're not doing that, they need to do that. They've even suggested that the United States, or one of the commentators suggested that the United States needs to look at its own nation and do what's good for the United States instead of, well, actually, I guess it is doing that. It wants to sell its gas and have those deals in Ukraine with Zelensky. Our final topic will be Zelensky. I've got to tell you what I came across and I showed it to you. And it was an extreme liberal politician. As a matter of fact, not just a politician, a Europhile. And I'm not going to name his name because he actually was kind of making fun of Zelensky because he retweeted a comment that an Irish individual posted and they were kind of spoofing on Zelensky, the expression on his face when he mentioned one country and how he's giving it to another country and that country got it worse and almost joking. I was really surprised to see that coming from a European Europhile liberal, but I think that Zelensky is not being seen in the same light as he was originally. You have that scandal that came out about five months prior where he his candidacy was on the platform of no corruption. And then what do they find? But they find financial corruption and his, his background, something he did with a particular company, hiding money or funds or something like that. And you almost get the impression that Is he his own man or is he bought because of the various deals? What's your thoughts? Well, right now, uh, Mr. Zelensky is very well aware of his role in the world stage. The press is feeding in a feeding frenzy. Every word he says, the media is harping on. So what we have is a man who has more power now than any time in his life previously. He has the power now. He's about to take in billions of dollars. He's going to be accepting planes and weapons and bombs. And it's a real mess. There's no other way of saying it. We really do have a fine mess on our hands, Stanley. And it's not going away soon. But but Mr. Zelensky is a player. Who's Stanley? Stan Laurel. Okay, good. Okay, Stan Laurel. We could use a laugh. Uh, Mr. Zelensky has the funds... 
He's going to have the weaponry. He's a world leader on the stage. He's not going away soon. He's young. And actually, he's just beginning, and he's going to be in our vocabulary for a long time. Well, I want to talk about a real contradiction. We don't want the war, and the U.S. media and international media, but particularly in the U.S., the focus is on the atrocities, the war, the violence. And yet, I don't know how many billions of dollars the United States has given to continue to arm the Ukrainians to continue this war. So if you're against the war, why arm the Ukrainians when you could sit at a negotiating table and give Mr. Putin what he's asking for? And if not, if he is given what he's asked for and he still continues, well, then the nations need to do something there. But there just seems a real contradiction in all the arms that are being sent, which just continues, and also the U.S.'s position to not see this come to a resolution. And that's another thing. There was also another contradiction by Ursula von der Leyen when she mentioned that they would have to come to the negotiating table and when they did, it was NATO's way or the highway. It was their way or the highway. There was no negotiating. It was, you accept our way or you take the highway. So where is that negotiating? And I think, Don, as the days get closer, talk about prophecy towards the time of the end, we're going to see more of these kinds of conflicts, contradictions, things that just don't make sense. And meanwhile... Europe is the underestimated empire in all of this. And I'll be talking on a future broadcast of decisions in Brussels that are not being paid attention to that are going to eventually give the EU the edge over China. That'll be the topic of a future broadcast. But anyway, Don, your final thoughts? Our final thoughts are where this is a conflict unlike anything that the world has ever known an estimated 3 million refugees going past the borders into Poland, Romania, former Yugoslavia, and there's no real end in sight. What we really want is for the people to return to the Ukraine as soon as possible, to their homes, to the rebuilding of their country. I'm sure America and likely Russia is going to be part of that effort in that they have historical ties to the Ukraine. They are not strangers. They're speaking the same language. They understand history and culture in a way that we do not, in that they have been bound together. And all we can do right now is pray for the negotiation and to be a fair one, a just one. The world is watching, and may God be merciful on the good people who are in the world. Well done. That was great. And I'm going to just say to our audience a final goodbye. Till next time, God bless. Goodbye and shalom, shalom, shalom. Tune in next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.